0: going to go into our reading tonight. If you want to follow along, Bible's mobile devices, if you're into that habit, um, Matthew 4 is where we're going to be, just verses 1 through 11. This is Matthew's account of the temptation of Jesus. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. This is the word of the Lord. So grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus is hungry. (laughs) Forty days and forty nights. That's a long fasting. You're not devising that the first time, no. Okay, I think the longest I've ever fasted is about 30 hours, and that about killed me. But um, I do know of individuals who have gone 40 days and 40 nights. Obviously, lots of liquid, some broth, other things. Um, Well, Jesus does this, and after that is when the tempter comes. Now, what's interesting about this is He gets baptized, and immediately the Spirit leads him into the wilderness for this time. Lead us not into temptation. We just prayed that, right? When we pray that, that's not this. The Holy Spirit leads Jesus into the desert to be tempted. Jesus is God. You and I are not. He resists the temptation perfectly. He does not sin. You can be tempted and not sin, but Jesus does this perfect every time. So this battle, we'll call it, between the evil one and the son of God, Jesus shows a very good way for his followers, his disciples, the spiritual discipline of using God's word. Three times he quotes Deuteronomy back to Satan. So that first time, he's like, you know, turn that stone into bread and and eat. God doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from God, right? I'm guessing when you're fasting, that one comes to mind (laughs) a lot. But then the evil one says, you know, how about... uh, Just throw yourself down, and the angels are going to take care of you. He's essentially quoting scripture. Satan's really good at this. He takes scripture and twists it to his own liking, and he tells Jesus you should be able to go ahead and do that, because he's going to command his angels concerning you. And Jesus says, quotes also from Deuteronomy, do not put the Lord to the test. And then he says, hey, this is all can be yours, this whole world. Just worship me. And then he tells him to be gone. Because you're supposed to live only by what God does and worship him only. Yeah. Worship and serve him only. And he wins. And then the angels take care of him. Wouldn't it be great if it was that easy? (laughs) I could just recognize a temptation or a false teaching by the evil one over the world or my own flesh. I could just call it out and use God's word and it's over. Don't get me wrong, that can happen. We've all used God's word to refute a temptation or refute a lie. And we resisted temptation. Now, when we pray in the Lord's Prayer, we, not to lead us in temptation, the, the question is you can't escape it. You're in the flesh, you're in the world, you're going to be tempted. We fully recognize that. We're praying to God to help us avoid it whenever we can. We don't want to be led into it. We're asking God to spare us from that. Another good example is Job. Satan, have your way with that guy and let's see how that goes. I don't want God to do that to me. I don't want a Job-like experience. Job, well, he failed. He did pretty good. I mean, he's pretty, he would have done a lot better than me. As, as my son reminds me, my quit point is pretty low. I uh, give up quickly, especially when it's called ab work. I, I just, I'm tapping out. But when I ask God to not lead me into temptation, I'm, I'm saying, I know I'm going to be tempted. God help me avoid that as much as I can because I know my frail nature will fail and I will sin. Well, this Lenten focus is about spiritual disciplines. What are some ways we can help resist temptation and not fall into sin? Jesus shows us a really good model. Stick to what God says. Call out God's word. There's a lot of other things we can do, like fasting. Maybe it's a prayer time. Maybe it's an intentional time of day you set an alarm. Maybe it's the sign of the cross in the morning. There's so many disciplines you already do. And Luke did a nice job, I think, on Sunday. It's like, don't give up something for Lent. Do something intentional. And that reminds me of a Bob Newhart skit. Does anybody remember Bob Newhart? I'm old enough. You young people like, is he from the 1900s? Yes, he's from the 1900s. That's when he was famous anyway. But there's a really good skit that seems so appropriate when it comes to not doing things you're supposed to. So he's in the skit. He's a psychiatrist, and he only charges $5 for people to come in. And he's like, if you just listen to me and you do this one session, you're going to be just fine. So people are like, oh, that's great. Five bucks? I'll get... So they come in, and they'll say they have a problem with this or that. And they go, okay, what should I do? And he goes, now listen to me very carefully. Stop it. They're like, well, I've I've tried, no, stop it. And like over and over, all he says is, stop it, stop it, stop it. It doesn't work, does it? (laughs) In fact, it does the opposite. When you say stop it, you will definitely be doing it then. Because humans are directed beings. And for you to say, I'm not going to do that, leaves you in a really bad spot. That is not the solution. Is there a better way to deal with this besides stop it? Well, yes. What does work? Well, instead of just saying stop it or don't do that or avoid that or stay away from that or whatever that is, those are good things to say. Don't get me wrong. But a recognition of the thing is not going to deal with the thing. You have to do something intentional about it. And so God's word, this is where God's word comes in. And this is what Jesus did, especially in his second temptation. Number one, he recognizes, he calls out the lie. That's not true. That's not right. I'm not supposed to do that. But then he doesn't leave it there. He replaces it with God's truth. So you call the thing out, recognize it, acknowledge it, But then you must also then be redirected. This is the kind of like the repent thing, the change of course to where you're supposed to go, and God's word is the source of that direction. And then what about things like habitual sins, addictions, substance abuse, drugs, pornography, social media, endless scrolling, needing satisfaction from shopping and status or famous or you just keep going down and down and down and down the list. How do we resist these things? Luke and I were talking about this last week, and and he's, he's so right. I'm in pain. I want to have this dopamine fix. I want this. I want that. And you know what? When we go down those paths... They actually work. I am temporarily relieved. That drug worked for a little bit. That shopping worked for a little bit. I just did the thing that I wasn't supposed to do, but I temporarily feel better. But we know what comes in the long-term ramifications of that. Usually it's guilt, shame, and destruction of yourself and everyone around you, including your relationship with God, and that's sin. So this cycle that we've all found ourselves in, we recognize the thing, we do something to temporarily fix it, and that becomes essentially an idol. Idols only take, they never give. So what do you have to do the next time you have that? Well, you got to feed that thing again and again and again and again, and until you recognize that's not working, or the people around you tell you this is not working, you have to do something different to get off that crazy cycle. But the the sad news is, it actually works for a little bit. Have you heard of people who can't stop doing things? Uh, many times, it's because it's working. And the evil one loves it when we're making things feel better apart from God. And this is a dangerous spot. This is why us pastors get heartburn when we see people deliberately sinning or doing things that are harmful to themselves or harmful to the relationships, because we know deep down it's harmful to the relationship with God and they're walking in the darkness. And the scariest part is that they would commit that one unforgivable one. They would blaspheme the Holy Spirits, shake their fist at God and not believe in him anymore. That's the big one. So this idea that we should resist temptation is a very important one, and Lent is a perfect time for us to be intentional about this. So we should call out the lie, we should recognize the thing, And if you're not sure what the thing is, maybe find someone next to you because they'll let you know what the thing is. But this is what the evil one loves. He loves to keep us isolated to make sure that you don't have anybody close enough to tell you the truth. They say there's a whole bunch of Christians out there who are not connected with a local congregation. A lot of them are called TikTok Christians. They watch the TikTok. They're like, that Jesus thing sounds good. I'm going to give my life to Jesus. I'm in. And they have no clue what that even means or what that looks like or that they might be doing something that's completely opposite to God's word and nobody's telling them anything different. This is why you cannot do this Christianity thing in isolation. The fact that you're here tonight is a really good spiritual discipline. It's great. You get to hear God's word. You receive a sacrament. This keeps you in the truth. And the Holy Spirit uses God's word to remind you of who you are, what you're supposed to do, and you know what, you're still going to fail. From ashes to ashes, from dust to dust, no matter what, you will fail. Now one thing I love about this church is that uh, not just Luke and I are good at pedestal knocking, right? to let you know we're just like all of you that we struggle just like all of you that we have no superpowers here anything we have that is good it comes from God not from us but we also have some elders here and Kelly is a great example Kelly's very upfront he's walked that walk he's had to rely completely on God to resist temptations and he ministers to people, not just in this congregation, to anybody who wants help. I just told a guy about our church here in town. And that guy had a similar story to Kelly. And I was like, hey, there's a guy in my church. His name's Kelly. You guys get along great because you are in the same situation. And you know what? He's an elder in our church. And the guy's looking at me like, really? I'm like, Yes. He uses broken people like us. That's what this is all about. And one thing I love about living faith is that we're open and honest about who we are. And you can be who you are. And then we're going to encourage you to resist temptation, to turn away from sin, and walk the way that God would want you to walk. And every time you fail, you get to be forgiven. And guys like Kelly embody that. They walk it. They understand when guys like me who struggle, he's a, he's a brother, right? We're a band of brothers. And if you have anybody in this world, you obviously have pastors and elders who are willing to walk the walk with you. So if there is something, especially that's been nagging you a long, long time, and you're like, you know what? I need to do this with somebody. Maybe this is the year. Now, I've tried to kick lots of addictive things and try to quit lots of things, and if I didn't have God and another Christian with me, there's no way. There's no success. Kelly would say the same thing. Everybody know who's gone through this. You need a community. You need a close brother or sister in Christ, and you need God's word. Jesus gets what it's like to be tempted. He's been tempted in every way, yet he did not sin. But that doesn't mean he doesn't know what you're going through. He understands. There's one verse I come back to quite a bit. And it helps remind me. You know, when I say call out the lie and replace it with the truth, this is one truth that I come back to. 1 Corinthians 10, 12 and 13. I usually just do 13, but I thought 12 would be good for tonight. It says, therefore let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. So if anybody thinks they got it figured out in here, pride becomes before the fall. Nobody's got it figured out. There is no arriving at this thing called being a disciple, being disciplined. There's no end to this until you die or Jesus comes back. This is the spiritual battle we're all in. But, chapter verse 13, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. You're not the first person, nor will you be the last that has to deal with this. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but but with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. The language there is one of escape. There is a way out. And most of the time when I fail is I don't do this. I don't remind myself. I don't turn to God. I don't call it the lie and replace it with the truth. I don't call a buddy in Christ. I I stay isolated. The opposite of all that is the way to do the spiritual discipline thing. Don't do this thing alone. Find someone you can confide in, someone who will pray for you, who will understand. And the great thing about habitual things, you will fail, but the beautiful thing is you celebrate the success Every time a temptation comes and you resist it and you don't sin, that's glory to God. Isn't that beautiful? And when you do sin, you recognize it, you repent, you are completely and utterly forgiven, and then you do it again. There's no easy way around this. I wish to say, you know, just, you know, pray it away, everybody. It'll be fine. Nope. But we do have Jesus as our model, we do have scriptures that show us, and you have a body of believers who get it. So the spiritual disciplines, staying in the word, prayer, fasting, coming to service, hearing the word, receiving the sacrament, you are doing the rhythm of a Christian walk. And when we repent, it's that adjustment, right? Keep going towards the light and away from the darkness. From ashes to ashes, from dust to dust, reminds us, it's on all your foreheads, reminds you this time is short, it is a battle, it is a battle worth fighting, your mortality is a real thing, but the cross on your forehead reminds you, this is eternal. Jesus Christ has won the battle once and for all. He took on all those sins for you and for me. We have an eternal promise that is sealed for you, imperishable, not tarnished, and your salvation is not dictated by your behavior. Your salvation is not dictated by your behavior. It is dictated by the faith in what Jesus did, and he did it perfect. He won the battle. He is triumphant, he is victorious, and so are you. So when you fail, and you will, you know you are joined with the triumphant one. And he's going to rise on the last day. He's coming back. You will rise with him. New bodies, new heaven, new earth. No new, more need for ashes. No more need for pastors. <laughs> no more need for any of these things. It's all gone. It's taken care of. But... Right now, in the church age, we are the church militant, and it is our job to profess Christ crucified and to keep pointing each other to Jesus. So living faith, are we ready? Are we ready to engage in some spiritual disciplines, to mutually encourage each other in the faith, recognize our sinful nature, and then just keep going forward towards Christ? Amen? All right. We stand and pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, it is so good knowing that you are the one in control. That you have given us the power and strength by the power of your Holy Spirit to resist temptation. I pray that this congregation will engage in that battle and we wouldn't do it alone, that we do it together that would use your word to call out lies and replace it with truth. And the truth is you love us so much. You died for us and that you are with us in all of these struggles. So I just thank you that we can live in this joy, in this mixture of sorrow and joy, this side of heaven, and let us engage in spiritual disciplines to fight these spiritual battles. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Receive the benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Have a wonderful rest of the week.